Welcome to Port City Politics. I'm WHQR News Director Ben Schockman. And I'm WECT investigative reporter Michael Pratz. And it is the last show of the year. Uh, we were recording this on New Year's Eve Eve. And uh, a couple stories this week, despite it being usually a slow news time, and a couple things to sort of check out on. Yeah. Uh, so where do you want to start? You want to start with what actually happened this past week? Yeah, let's start with what happened this week. Uh, let's start with Jody Green. All right. So we followed this. If you haven't been following along at home on your bingo board, uh, Jody Green, the Columbus County Sheriff, Columbus County's former sheriff and now actual sheriff, he was sworn back in, um, has faced a lot of accusations and allegations. And honestly, this started with his uh, election back in 2018. Uh, He started under fire, and it seems he's going into the new year and his new term under fire once again. Um, These latest concerns are after uh, WECT former investigative reporter Ann McAdams uh, had a story releasing some audio recordings of Jody Green uh, back in 2018 or 2019, early in the year, where Green was making, he, he was recorded making racist comments. Um, you know, it, it was straight up racism. Um, we're not afraid to say that, and we've said that multiple times. Yeah. Uh, I, what's interesting about this story is that it ties together a lot of drip, drip, drip reporting about Jody Green and other things um, in Columbus County, going mm-hmm. back to the residency questions about whether or not he was ever eligible to have been sheriff mm-hmm. back in 2018. Um, and a lot of this comes out of a, uh, a petition for removal filed by District Attorney John David, mm-hmm. who is over Bladen, uh, I believe it was Bladen, Brunswick, and Columbus County. Columbus, yep. Uh, him and his brother, uh, Ben David, control a five-county region. It's, yes. it's kind of nuts. And um, so it's a 70-page document. We'll have a link to it on the page. Mm-hmm. Um, but it ties together, you know, there was uh, an arrest for theft of property of a county commissioner. There was... Um, you know, a removal of someone from the sheriff's office. There was there was a lot of little bits and pieces that this kind of all pulls together, that John David's uh, petition pulls together and lays out, that this all sort of centers around Jody Green, who took challenges to his residency very strongly, I guess, yep. in 2018. He had a very racist reaction. Um, and it looks, it, what it lays out, and a lot of these are allegations, just to be clear. Mm-hmm. What it lays out is a, a what appears to be a pattern of... Um, retaliatory behavior mm-hmm. by Jody Green. So anytime he's questioned or checked, um, there's there's a, a series of affidavits that speak to a situation where he was a, he was asking the county commissioners for a raise mm-hmm. for all of his um, uh, sheriff's office yep. staff. And uh, they did not deliver what he wanted. And so there was a number of ways it looked like he tried to retaliate, everything from intimidation to threatening to pull sheriff's office equipment he had mm-hmm. in the school that could have led to... Um, you know, the, the building being condemned. Again, these are allegations, but they're allegations from a lot of people who have put their name on paper and signed it. These are not, you know, uh, on background allegations. These are formal affidavits signed and, and included as part of this af- uh, petition. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, this is the second petition that John David has filed. The first one was filed back in October. Uh, but before a judge could hear this petition to remove the sheriff from office, um, Jody Green resigned uh, about a couple weeks before the election. He did not take his name off the ballot, and he won re-election. And he was supposed to be sworn in on December the 5th. That didn't happen because there were two election candidacy challenges um, by two different voters up there. Won't have to get into all of those right now. There's There's been some reporting, but basically... Uh, 
the local board of elections, the state board of elections, and the superior court judge, I believe it was the superior court judge, all dismissed these, you know, motions against them. So it's really not worth getting into right now as to what was the content of them because the judges and the boards decided there was no merit to these. However, those challenges held up John David's ability to actually refile this petition to remove him from office. So you have to imagine there might have been a little bit of frustration here, but maybe also a little bit of relief, you know, if he was hoping, hey, maybe this will get him removed and I don't have to go through the process. I don't know. Um, but whatever whatever the, the thoughts on that were, it, it took a lot longer than uh, most of us had anticipated. But as soon as he was sworn in on the 28th, 29th, sorry, Thursday, he was sworn in at like nine in the morning, uh, wasted no time as soon as the Board of Elections released that certificate uh, of election, was sworn in and uh, promptly served. I mean, probably within that hour or two, uh, John David had refiled his petition and promptly served that. He also filed uh, a request to have Jody Green suspended in the interim. We don't know where that lands right now. Yeah, there is a hearing next week on January 4th mm -hmm. um, to look at this petition. So we'll have more on that next week. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think some of the things we've heard about this one is that it kind of if you read through the affidavit and, um, you know, I suppose we should warn people there is there's some strong adult language in there. Mm -hmm. But probably nothing that would surprise you if you follow the story. Yeah, um, it it really does lay out how corrupt this seems mm -hmm. um you know we've we've had a couple of emails and calls people comparing this to you know the good old boy days of the 50s and 60s this is an example of unchecked power if true if these allegations are true it really reminds me of like the worst of the worst a deep south sheriff gone mad with power and uh, that's what happens when you don't have a lot of you know constant local news coverage yeah exactly and i will say while yes these are allegations you know some of the things like the um Jody Green had uh, apparently like 20 deputies lined the sidewalks where the commissioners came into the building after they denied his budget request. Things like that aren't allegations. We have pictures of that. Now, we can't call that intimidation, but that is what John David is saying. Um, so that's that's the allegations. There There is some evidence that we have seen, you know, firsthand that is very clear and out there, uh, along with the arrest of Jason Soule's stepfather, who Jason Soule's was his uh, a political opponent this past year. Um, Jody Green had his stepfather arrested, and Jason Soule said basically, um, my stepfather went up to him and said, Jody, you need to grow up. And that is what led to his arrest. Uh, eventually, he was charged with like disorderly conduct in a public space, um, which was eventually dismissed, but doesn't stop the fact that he was arrested for this. And that's just one of the allegations of abuse of power that's in there. So there's a lot to this. It will certainly be, you know, we'll, we'll be watching this coming into the new year because I expect things as early as next week um, to really start making some waves. Yeah. All right. So put a pin in that um, for 2023. Also this week, just a quick note, um, there was a bomb scare yesterday on Thursday. Uh, you were on the scene. I drove by <laughs> and saw all the cops. Uh, just to put people's minds at ease, um, it was not an act of domestic terrorism. No, we d we don't know officially 
I don't know what the package contained. We were told it was non-perishable. But <laughs> unofficially, it well, first of all, I'll say I was there and I, I had my pretty super duper lens, so I was able to zoom in pretty close. Uh, it looked like a Christmas present to me. Um, it, it was Aww. like a pretty box or something like that. So first of all, if you left a Christmas present for someone that prompted a bomb response, that's yikes. Yikes. Um, anyways... I sat there for about an hour, watched the bomb robot do his thing, and WPD's bomb uh, EOD, the Explosive Ordnance Disposal guys, went out in their bomb suit. And, you know, kudos to them for, uh, you know, treating these things seriously, which is, you know, even though it turned out to be some sort of non-perishable good, so maybe it was a can of soup, they treated it as, you know, as if it wasn't. Yeah, that's some Hurt Locker-level bravery. Yeah. So, I mean, good for them. They did, you know, in my opinion, they they did the right thing. If there's something sp- suspicious, someone calls it in. Um, you know, you or I, if we saw a Christmas present at our front door, um, might not might not be as scary, but it was at City Hall. It was, um, you know, unattended. Nobody had been in City Hall for a couple days due to the holidays. So I uh, can't say what exactly prompted it, but I did watch the bomb robot. He went out there, did his cool little thing. That thing is pretty cool. Um, Picked up the package, shook it around. At one point, he did accidentally drop the box, which was a whoopsies. Um, Oopsie daisy. But you know, it, again, it was uh, it was innocuous. It wasn't anything uh, serious. Nobody had called in a bomb threat or anything to that degree. So this was just somebody came across this what it looked like a Christmas present sitting somewhere at or in City Hall. Um, and that's what prompted this response. So all's well that ends well there. Yeah. All right. One more thing from this week, and that is a, uh, a sit-down interview you did with uh, New Hanover County Ch- uh, GOP Chair Will Connect about they're they're um, looking for a new register of deeds, mm-hmm. um, a poorly understood but fairly powerful local position. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the uh, the current uh, the current register of deeds is Tammy Beasley. Piver now. Piver, yes. yes. Uh, Nay Beasley. <laughs> and yes. uh, she's stepping down, so the, the county party gets the opportunity to um, reappoint someone. I think they have like 30 days to do it. Correct. And um, so this came out of questions that some folks on the left sent to us because they were they had become aware of a questionnaire that had gone out. Um, and, and some of the liberal progressives that reached out to us were really concerned about one question in particular. So break this down for us. Yeah. So basically, it's a three-page application that, uh, you know, to be honest with you, it just seems uh, it seems like a job application that you would fill out if you were applying for a political position. It asks, uh, have you been arrested? If so, for what? Have you been the na- uh, named in any sort of lawsuit as the defendant? Um what are your what church do you attend? What uh, what are your political beliefs is basically what this is trying to get to, as well as personal and professional uh, qualifications. And this is a this is a vetting document sent out by the New Hanover County GOP. Correct. OK, so this w- this is apparently being uh, offered to those who are interested in serving in this position. Um, but one question in particular it it basically says there's like a, a 10 part series of questions that says, uh, these are state-level Republican Party uh, lines or issues or something to that degree. This is this is uh, basically a lot of conservative values. They want to know where you fall on um, sharing the same beliefs as most, not all, um, conservatives, or at least the major talking points of the conservative party. Uh, one question there was uh, agree or disagree. Basically, explain your opinion on the statement that marriage is between a man and a woman. And that 
you know, we've we've heard a lot about same-sex marriage over the past 20 years, honestly. But uh, most recently, you know, over the past summer, the, uh, you know, president, along with <clears throat> the Senate and Congress, passed a law, the Respect for Marriage Act, um, that actually codified and put into law the right to same-sex marriage. Although so, many Republicans did vote against it. Yes, but North Carolina senators um, did vote for it, I believe. Yeah, I believe Rouser voted against it, our, our congressman. From yes. But um, in any case, it passed. It did pass, and it had a lot of bipartisan support. Um, well, not a lot, but it did have enough to pass. Um, and so that became law. However, it's still a, an issue for some. Now, a lot of Republicans I have personally talked to um, have kind of moved away from really caring about this because at the end of the day, um, you know, you can have your opinions and beliefs, but is that something you really want to die on that hill? Um, Is that, you know, is somebody else getting married to somebody you don't approve of really worth the effort? Um, And I think a lot of Republicans have said, you know, socially, uh, they're, they're becoming a little less conservative. I won't say liberal, uh, but they are becoming less conservative with social issues like that and, um, you know, the passing of that bill over the summer. <clears throat> However, because this is the Register of Deeds who handles a multitude of things, including deeds and property records, uh, but also issuing marriage licenses and certificates, there were some people and, uh, you know, they told me verbatim, uh, you know, is this a litmus test to see if we can start banning gay marriage in uh, in New Hanover County. And right, through some kind of bureaucratic obstruction, you know, simply by her refusal or her staff's refusal to do the paperwork, mm-hmm. um, you could effectively block that. And I, I just want to point out that there is some rationale for the left's concern here because we have seen the Republican Party shift to a strategy uh, focusing on grassroots efforts. So mm-hmm. um, the very troubling and anti-democratic moves to question election integrity mm-hmm. has shifted from a top-down system to a bottom-up system. So we've seen uh, you know, people trying to infiltrate boards of elections at the county level or local um, you know, attorneys general and stuff like that uh, challenge elections. So I could see why someone could think maybe the right is now, instead of trying to fight gay marriage at the Supreme Court or congressional level, mm-hmm moving to a local strategy. But you, I mean, you spoke to Will Connect and you asked him pretty point blank, is that what you're doing? Yeah, I did. And, uh, you know, we've had Will on the show. He's uh, very open, very willing to talk. But a lot of people, uh, regardless of how, you know, how, how good of a relationship you might have with them, um, asking the tough questions, you can sometimes get the, uh, the, the bureaucratic and political answers as opposed to the yes or no. Um, so after some conversation, I, I finally just said, Will, this is what we've been, you know, this is someone's concern. At least two or three people that have reached out to us have this concern. Um, Would you just address the question, has there been any sort of discussion or is this an attempt to outlaw or ban or prevent same-sex marriage in New Hanover County? And, I mean, you can hear his answer on the the webpage, but he said no. Unequivocally, no, there was no talks of this. There's been no discussion. Um, This is an application that they use for not just appointees, but for candidates who want to run. And while I understand, like you were pointing out, um, the appearances that could be troubling for some people, if, you know, I, I have to look at things from a neutral perspective here and say, 
if it was on the other side, if the Democrats had a questionnaire like this um, and asked what your thoughts on same-sex marriage were, um, would this have been such a, you know, a sensitive question for the Register of Deeds? Probably not because of where, you know, where the split between the two parties is on that sort of t- subject. Um, but my point is, if it's a boilerplate application, and yes, uh, Will said, you know, there were some things that were, um, you know, like we changed, why are you uh, why are you interested in being the Register of Deeds or what do you know about the Register of Deeds? But by and large, this is a boilerplate, like, plate, <clears throat> let's make sure the person applying for this is actually a conservative. I mean, it makes sense when you look at it that way. Um, I get where people's concerns lie. And at the end of the day, um, I was told no. So that's all we can do. Yeah, and I want to just say something quick here. And this is is usually more of an issue on the left than it is on the right, but not, not totally. And that is for people on the left, there is a real difficulty in treating people, other people's religious beliefs seriously, because it is a principle of liberal democracy, lowercase l, lowercase d, that you respect people's religious beliefs. Mm-hmm. And even if you find them bigoted, I think there are certainly things, you know, the average person might find bigoted in any other given major religion yeah. that is not their own, right? Or, or a denomination of religion that is not their own, you know. Um, but at the on the other hand, you know, you also don't you want to protect the principles of liberal democracy, which now include the right to gay marriage. Mm-hmm. So how do you deal with someone like a conservative Republican who says, you know, I, I respect the law of the land. The law of the land now allows gay marriage. But I personally believe that marriage is between a man and a woman only. Mm-hmm. You might feel that's a bigoted opinion, but as long as that person is respecting the law of the land, you kind of have to leave it lay. That is a principle of liberal democracy. That is the only way in which... Uh, we have found to let people with differing beliefs live together. Yeah. And every election season, it is not uncommon for us to get emails saying, you know, this person has this religious belief or that religious belief. And, um, yeah, they may be troubling to you. But th- that is the agreement we have come to as a nation uh, is that, yeah, you have to accept other people's. You don't have to like it. No. Um, but you can't prosecute them for their religious beliefs. You just have to look at what they will actually do with the levers of government. Mm-hmm. Um, now, I guarantee you, <laughs> if the new register of deeds blocks so much as one gay marriage for some kind of BS bureaucratic reason, you know we will report on that. Oh, 100%. And I will, you know, we'll ask Will to come in and, you know, answer those questions. And, I'm, you know, to be fair, again, I'm sure he will um, because I, I, I'm not a mind reader, but it did seem, you know, genuine. But the register of deeds at the end of the day, even if they were to write, you know, I'm fine with gay marriage on their application and they were to be appointed, um, whatever moves they make once they're appointed, they are their own person at that point. Um, so, you know, the the GOP is doing what they can to vet these people, essentially. Um, and we don't know where they're uh, where their heads at. They're not going to share their inside baseball um, with journalists uh, about you know, what they're looking for, the correct answers on these things, or if there even are correct answers. Um, but as far as the GOP is concerned, as a party level here in New Hanover County, there have been no talks or discussions about trying to prevent same-sex marriage in New Hanover County. And right now we have to take that as, you know, as, as what we've been told, as their word. But again, if something were to 
you know, change and challenge that, absolutely we'd cover it and we'd say, hey, uh, let's check the tapes. And we have it. And what happened here? So Yeah, and I will also there will be an election, right? Yes. So the appointment's not for life. This is, I believe, until the twenty twenty four Correct election. Yeah. Two more years for Two vacancy. more years. So there will be a, a a race for the Register of Deeds. The Democrats have posted candidates in the past. That is your opportunity to say my opponent is a bigot, if that's what you believe. Yeah. Um and so, you know, that's the electoral process. I'm not going to do the, the whole Schoolhouse Rocks thing on it. But yeah, yeah, exactly. the idea. Exactly. All right. Well, before we go, um, we get emails all the time about stories that we've been covering, asking for the latest. So I wanted to touch on a couple that we're definitely going to follow into 2023 mm-hmm. and maybe some that we won't. Okay. Where do you want to start? I think we have to start with friend of the show, Julia Olson Bozeman. Yeah. So that has been obviously the the – Beginning of the end of uh, Julie Olson Bozeman's uh, political career, at least this time around. Yeah, yeah. Um, put, put a kid asterisk next to that because you never know. In New Hanover County, um, really began in Jul- June, late June, early July of 2021, and that was when I first reported on uh, Gary Holyfield, client who had hired Julia to, um, sorry, who hired Olson Bozeman to. Um, represent him in a lawsuit. Um, We've talked about this ad nauseum. That didn't happen. She ended up getting $20,000 from him. And for all intents and purposes, I have been unable to find anything. She has not provided any sort of evidence that she ever did any work on his behalf. Um, But then she went up and retired, and Gary Holyfield has never seen that money since. That started a He filed a complaint with the North Carolina State Bar. The State Bureau of Investigation started investigating her. Those investigations are still ongoing. Um, Earlier this summer, we saw um, Olson Bozeman was in court in Raleigh. We saw a contempt of court ruling. We saw an order for arrest issued, which is not an arrest warrant. It's different. Um, Saw an order for arrest issued against her. We saw some serious allegations from um, her wife, which were later supported by uh, court testimony and, and documents that were entered in, in civil court. Yes. Um, regarding, you know, draining the bank account of uh, a lot of money um, in court. We actually we you actually managed to obtain some tapes here, CDs now um, where she admits to spending. I, I think it was upwards of six hundred and sixty six thousand dollars or something to that. Yeah, degree. it was hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, just in the past, I don't know, like 18 months or something like that. So um, she also admitted to having, and we've known this and we've reported on this before, as we've mentioned, we don't want to get into people's personal lives, but when you are the chair of the county commission, uh, sometimes personal overflows into public. And she came out and said, yes, I I have been uh, drinking and using some substances now what what those substances are. I've gotten a lot of emails about different things that people yeah. want to know something, but she did admit to at least heavy drinking. Heavy drinking and THC use every day. Yeah. Um, and again, yeah, to, to to reiterate what you're saying, just because we want to be very, very clear, is that um, you and I have both had our, our dalliances with substance abuse, mm-hmm. and uh, you know it would be hypocritical of us to condemn that. But again, when you are in charge of a half-billion-dollar county and you are using drugs and alcohol daily when you are making financial decisions that that even a judge 
uh, says, wow, you really need to account for this because I don't know where all this money is going. Right. That's when we have questions because the, the personal does become the political at that point. I do want to be just fair. One quick point. Um, Jilla Osen Bozeman did tell me, and I believe you, that she had attempted to give Gary Holyfield that money back. Mm-hmm. But at that point, he wanted to just sort of make sure that that didn't basically curtail or, or close the book on the investigation because more than the money, he, he wanted justice. He wanted yes. This was a powerful person who was acting badly, he alleged, and he, he didn't want to just have the SBI walk away. Yeah, exactly. And to be fair, you know, I, I saw um, that email from uh, Gary sent me the email that was sent from an attorney representing Olson Bozeman at the time. Um, this was still several months after our reporting came out. And it said, you know, we'd like to offer you that $20,000. Send me your bank account information. Gary, in response, sent it over to the state bar immediately, um, which I'm sure raised some questions over there, like where did this money come from? Where has it been sitting? Um, But regardless, he did not accept that money. But the state bar did say, take it or don't. We don't care. Our investigation is not going to stop just because she paid you because their investigation what she went to contempt of court for was not even related to Gary Holyfield. So there's more to this that we just don't know about. Uh, we do know the, the very basics where she is accused of uh, taking money that was meant for clients from insurance payouts that you know went to her own personal bank account. So all of this to say, it's been a very interesting year. It's been, um, you know, at times, to be honest with you, uh, it's been difficult to report on. Um, it's never fun you know, trying to report on or expose probably some of the darkest days of of an individual, but it is our jobs. Um, And we knew that getting into it. It doesn't mean we have to enjoy. There's no, uh, what's the German word? Schadenfreude. Yes. Yeah, there was zero schadenfreude here. And again, you know, as far as continuing reporting, will Pratt's and I be going to future divorce court or juvenile court? custody court hearings? No, probably not. No, not unless there's something major yeah. in there. So the, the conditions, basically the, the guidelines here that we're operating under are while she was the chair of the county board of commissioners, and she could have stepped down at any time, mm-hmm. we were covering it because she's in charge of the county because her colleagues refused to say anything. You know, on the last, during the beginning of the last county commission meeting of the year, she um, got an award from Chris Coudre, the county manager, and a standing ovation. She walked out of the door and as frustrating as this may be for some people, that's kind of the end of the story for us. If we were to find out that she were to get some kind of preferential treatment from the Bar Association or the mm-hmm. SBI because of her status, yes, that would be a story. Um, if she were, you know, arrested, that would be, you know, an, an important, you know, bookend to yes. that reporting. Are we going to continue to follow her clearly acrimonious uh, personal life um, with her with her ex-wives? Uh, ex-wife and probably soon to be new ex-wife and and her children. No, that is that's in incredibly personal stuff that no longer reflects on a sitting elected official. Yeah, exactly. And I will say, you know, for the sake of this story, because the story was um, my intention when I first heard this was to help get Gary's story out. And I think to be fair, um, you know, it obviously landed a lot of controversy around Olson Bozeman. But at the end of the day, my reporting wasn't for um, for that purpose, it was explicitly, um, I wanted to know what happened with Gary's money. And at the end of the day, I will follow that story. I know I said last week, um, I'm leaving Wilmington. I'm heading to Charlotte. Um, you can better believe that 
if and when something does happen with uh, with Gary Holyfield and he gets some sort of resolution or he has answers one way or the other, whatever it may be, um, I will be there to close that story out. I'll come down. I'll freelance for WHQR if I have to or just come on the podcast. Um, but I definitely will see this story through to the end. Um, at this point, when that end is, we don't know. But, yeah, for the most part, that coverage is that that chapter is closed. Yeah. Um, one last note, a chapter that is very much not closed, is the New Hanover County Endowment. This comes out of the hospital sale, a story that we, we followed for years. Mm-hmm. Um, it's been since the summer of 2019, I believe, that we've been following this. And, you know, again, Julia Olson-Boseman was a major part of pushing that sale through. Mm-hmm. And now we are doing our best to cover the New Hanover County Endowment. Again, uh, something Julia Olson-Boseman spearheaded was the way this endowment is set up, it is a uh, private nonprofit, so it is not responsive to, you know, public records requests or over-meeting laws. Um, and a couple weeks ago, they dropped their first uh, grant outlay, $9 million worth of grants. Mm-hmm. Um, CEO and president of the endowment, William Buster, promptly left the country on vacation. I understand that that is a, um, a well-earned vacation. He's been working hard for months and months on this. However, it made it very difficult to get answers about those grants, um, including over a half million dollars that was paid out to the Catholic charities uh, out of the Diocese of Raleigh. Um, Hmm. So they got around $190,000 during the regular grant cycle, and they got an additional grant, uh, a standalone grant, to help the the displaced families from the Wilmington Housing Authority. And uh, we wanted to ask them some questions about that, including, you know, if there were any concerns about such a large outlay to a religious group, um, if there were any concerns about the fact that uh, there was no one more local that that money could directly go to. Mm-hmm. I know that the Catholic Charities of Raleigh does have a Wilmington office, but mm-hmm. it seems like a little bit, a, a question that we've definitely heard is like, was there no one locally who could get that money, including the housing authority directly? Right. And um, lots of other questions. You know, we'd like to see all the grant proposals. We'd like to see, you know, who submitted what and who didn't get what and and talk more about the rationale, if for no other reason than to help the public understand how this all works and facilitate more effective future grants Mm -hmm. um, because we want to see good stuff happen. We want to see money go to people who are capable and will do good stuff with it. And, um, you know, we've also gotten some emails from some conservatives who um, have been following Dale Falwell's criticisms of BlackRock, which is the multi-trillion dollar asset management company that uh, I think is the world's largest. Um, they are too big to fail in the way that every bank in the world is too big to fail. Yeah. And um, so Dale Falwell has uh, accused BlackRock of, um, you know, basically catering to the woke mob in its uh, – investments and focusing too much on especially climate change issues instead of their fiduciary responsibility mm-hmm. to earn the maximum amount of money for their clients, which includes uh, the, the North Carolina um, State Employees Pension Fund, which Dale oversees. So I'm curious if uh, members of the endowments board of directors had similar concerns about BlackRock um, or not. So lots of questions, uh, questions from the left, questions from the right, questions from people who submitted grants and didn't get them. Um, and a big question for me personally, I'll be, I'll be candid about this. This is not something I've heard from other people is I have a question Mm -hmm. is, um, during the Wilmington power breakfast, I believe it was, um, Hannah Gage and Spence Broadhurst were speaking. I believe it was Gage who said this, that they could have given more money, but, uh, because they are now allowed to dip into their principal Mm -hmm. a little bit. So they could have given the full 40 to $50 million this grant round, but they said the community just wasn't ready for it. Yeah. Um, and... 
So if they're already giving money to outside charities because maybe there's no one in New Hanover County who can absorb that money, and in the future, they're looking at much more targeted grants, so they're going to like pick one issue and give mm-hmm. all the grants in there, so they pick housing or health care. Right. Um, it, it seems like that's going to make it tighter and even more difficult to get the money into the community. I just have concerns and questions about how that actually works. It, I feel like they're going to have this bizarre problem where they have too much money and no one to give it to. Well, I got to say, at the end of the day, um, since I am leaving... <laughs> Good luck to you getting those <laughs> answers because yeah. the uh, the county deliberately made it a non-transparent process to deal with you, our listeners, billion plus dollars. So um, again, that uh, as a taxpayer frustrates me to no end, and I hope other people are paying attention because the um, the fact that this billion plus dollars is not being given the the respect of public oversight um, is just extreme to me. Yeah, and so that will definitely be a story in 2023. Absolutely. All right, well, I think that just about does it for this episode. I think that just about does it for 2022. All right, well, uh, we'll see you next year. I know that's the cheesiest thing to say, but at least I didn't do it one minute before midnight. That's true. All right, well, we'll see you next year. (laughs) All right, see you then.